Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast. Today, we have a student who is going to share her story of how she did well on the MCAT. So more success tips if you are still preparing for the MCAT or you will be planning to take the MCAT in the next year or two. Jessica is going to share with us some of the tips and tricks that she used in order to get a great score on her MCAT. I'm going to introduce Jessica Esparza here. She graduated from UCLA, UC Los Angeles in 2022 with a major in psychobiology and a minor in global health. She took her MCAT in the summer of 2021 and, as you will hear, did very well. She is currently applying to medical school, so she's in the thick of that process. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Dr. Marina. I'm happy to be here. So just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better, can you tell us a little bit about your background? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, so I was raised in Salinas, California. It's a small agricultural city in the Central Coast, so up north, kind of closer to Northern California. Yeah, so I was kind of raised there. Since it's such a big agricultural city, I think getting these college resources was difficult. So in high school, I actually joined an organization called Puente. It's really unique in that you're in a cohort for four years of 30 students who are all trying to get a college. And I think that's what really helped me get to UCLA. And then, yeah, just got to UCLA. Um, my parents were really supportive in that whole process. I was raised by two Mexican immigrants, and I'm actually the oldest sister to two little girls. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. So um, what made you want to go to UCLA for college, just out of curiosity? Well, it was kind of just at the end of everything, um, I applied to multiple California schools. I knew I wanted to stay in California. Ultimately, I actually got a full ride to UCLA and just being the great school that it is, I think it was the natural decision that I came to. Uh-huh, wonderful. It is an amazing school. Um, and speaking of college, what was your college experience like? The first year, that was something that was the most difficult for me, not even just adjusting to a new environment. Um, I think I got a lot of imposter syndrome and it's something that a lot of students get, right? So I felt really intimidated by the coursework. I doubted a lot of times like how I was going to handle all the new material I, that I hadn't really prepared for um, through high school. But I think that's all something we have to overcome. So I think after my first year and finding a support system, finding resources and really sticking to a plan, um, I was able to do really well and join organizations that I fell in love with. But as I said, it's all a process. Mm -hmm. Now, did you know that you wanted to be pre-med when you started college? Or was that something that developed during the process of being in college? So I started kind of pre-med, but I wasn't so sure of it. So I think my first and second, maybe even a little into my second year, but definitely my first year, that's when I was considering other professions. So I was definitely on the pre-med track, but not certain yet. I think I considered becoming a PA or going into nursing after college. So I think I solidified my that passion um, just with experience and with time, even though I started kind of pre-med. 
Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Was there a particular experience for you, maybe like working in an organization or shadowing that really helped to solidify that desire to become a doctor, not just a nurse or a PA, but specifically a doctor? Yeah, so I was actually able to shadow this amazing doctor from my hometown, actually. So over the summer, um, it was actually the fresh my after my freshman year, and that's why I think that's what solidified it for me that I was just going to stay with pre-med. I worked with her. She works at a federally qualified health center in Salina. So just seeing the impact she had, she's Spanish speaking as well. She's a Latina Spanish speaking doctor. So I was just really inspired to see how she was able to treat her patients with such cultural sensitivity, but also being able to communicate so effectively with them because she spoke the language and just seeing her be able to, she was a pediatrician. So just being able to see her connect with not only her patients, which were like five-year-olds, 12-year-olds, but also with the parents who are a big important part of their child's treatment and their child's care and seeing her, how she was able to connect with them and just really support them um, at every like patient visit was when I really knew I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And I'm always so happy to hear when someone who is pre-med has a positive mentor, and especially a mentor who comes from a similar background as them, because then you're really able to kind of see yourself. It's like, oh, someone like me made it to medical school and is now a physician. Maybe I can do it too. Did that, do you think that that influenced it for you? Did that feel more inspiring for you? Definitely. I think the first year I was always hearing how scary and how challenging the path would be to become a doctor. And I think that's where a lot of the nerves came from. But seeing her and seeing doctors that look like me um, really be able to achieve it, I think just gave me more inspiration and more motivation that I knew I could do it. Wonderful. Now, speaking of kind of the pre-med journey, a lot of pre-meds, you know, maybe they start out taking those biology and those chemistry classes that they have to take in order to apply to medical school. Those can be really intimidating. They can be really difficult too. And a lot of pre-meds get discouraged because they don't do so well in those classes or it's just really, really hard. What do you think helped you to push through some of those difficult classes on your pre-med journey? Yeah, so that's actually something that I really resonate with me. I never took chemistry in high school. So I had no chemistry background. I entered my chemistry course. The professor was like, I think you should drop this. I think you should maybe prepare a little bit more and drop it. I did not want to. I said, I'm going to push through it. And I think what really helped me is I took advantage of all the resources that I could. So that professor actually had not office hours. They were peer-led like tutoring sessions. So I attended as many as those that I could. My school had the academic advancement program that was also peer-led tutoring sessions, but by people who had taken like similar classes. I went to office hours and I learned how to study, I would say, in the sense that instead of rewatching lectures or rereading my notes, I did a lot of practice problems. And I think when it comes to these science exams, it comes to the point where you can't just look at the material and reread it. You really have to practice on your own. And I think that's what I developed, just a really strong support system, use my resources and active learning, just trying out those practice problems as much as I could and trying to see what worked for me. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I think that's such good advice. In general, we have an episode on study skills and we emphasize that you have to do practice problems, practice problems, practice problems. 
don't just do passive learning. Don't just reread and reread because that's not actually testing yourself. That's not actually making sure that you understand how to apply the material. Whereas practice problems do exactly that. So that's wonderful. And I think that's probably one of the reasons you've been so successful in your science classes, as well as on your MCAT. Yeah, I think I had to learn that early that that it's really critically analyzing, right? Like you said, like rereading the all the textbooks and stuff, you're going to get a problem on the exam that's nothing like the textbook, but you kind of have to use that material to answer the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's jump into talking about the MCAT. So first of all, you took the MCAT you mentioned in September of 2021. So that was at the end of the summer, basically. How long did you give yourself to prepare for the MCAT? How many weeks or how many months? It was three months full time. Gotcha. So it sounds like you set aside the whole summer to basically just devote to studying. Is that right? Yeah. um, I was engaged with like some extracurriculars, but those were kind of after the day, like after I had finished my studying or I would kind of sprinkle it in through the day. But my main focus was the MCAT. Mm -hmm. So what did your days look like? Did you study seven days a week, five days a week? How many hours a day did you study? Where did you study? Give us some of the details of how you did that. Yeah, so it was roughly six days a week, I want to say. I usually try to take Sundays off. From day to day, I would try to take go to the gym if possible or just try to take a walk at the beginning of my day just to kind of like get into the motion of everything. I would study about maybe, let's say, two, three hours, take a break, and then study one to five dinner and then maybe like two hours after dinner. So it was definitely a lot of studying. And then I was actually in an organization where we're interviewing for our organization. So sometimes it didn't work out like that. I So I try to take a walk, let's say, instead of going to the gym for an hour and a half, and then do a couple interviews and then just get back to studying with breaks sprinkled into there. But Sundays, I try to just, if I could do nothing, I would do nothing and just, I have a little sister. So I would just play with her, watch TV, um, but really try to decompress so that I wouldn't burn out. Wonderful. Sounds like you were pretty focused. Did you study at home or did you go to a library or another quiet space? I think I mostly studied at home, but everywhere in my home. So sometimes in my room on my desk, sometimes on the couch. I really like studying outside just because I think when those most stressful moments, that's when I would just get a foldable chair, put it outside in our backyard and just sit outside to get the fresh air. So mostly inside my home, but um, in different locations, just to try to change it up a little. Uh huh. Wonderful. I love that going outside because sometimes, especially when you're feeling the most stress, just feeling a little connection to nature, even if it's just in a backyard or somewhere is really nice. Getting some sunshine too gives you some vitamin D, which helps with mood. So that's good. Did you um, find it difficult to focus? Like how, how did you avoid distractions? I know many students when they're preparing for the MCAT, it just seems kind of overwhelming and it's easy to get distracted by social media or by family or friends or other things that you could be doing. And it's hard to just kind of buckle down and do it. How did you keep yourself motivated to do that? So as you said, there's different distractions. There's social media, there's family. So I think setting boundaries. So my family knew um, they were really supportive. So I kind of let them know I'm going to be studying. Can you just try to be maybe quiet during these times? I Like obviously not radio silence, but uh-huh. um, I think if you need radio silence, it's best to probably just 
find a library, I was okay with like talking them, playing around or whatever. Um, but I just let them know that I couldn't really be as present during the day when I was studying, but that after I was done, they could let me know whatever they needed or I could help around. Just kind of that stuff. I think when it comes to like social media or your phone, just doing 10 minutes and you, you're so tired of it, right? You just want to go on your phone or do anything else. I think the Pomodoro method is something that I really use, but I think it's having study methods before you go into the MCAT. So I think if you're, maybe you're thinking about taking the MCAT in like a year, start putting your phone away when you study for school or anything else, if you can, if you're still in school. But um, I think taking, studying for 20 minutes and just having your phone locked, there's even apps that lock your phone so you can't use it for those 20 minutes. Take a five minute break, study for 20 minutes again. I think it works differently for everyone. I think I did usually like an hour to two hours, just keep on studying. But that's because I was in school. And I think that's the discipline I had given myself during school. And it made it easier to translate it over to the MCAT. But I think if not doing baby steps, so in the first weeks that you're starting the MCAT, try to really at least start with 20 minutes and five minute breaks Mm -hmm. and just setting boundaries with yourself. Yeah, excellent. You mentioned the Pomodoro method. And that's basically that concept you're talking about is setting like a timer for a certain amount of time, and then you take a short break, and then you work again, and then you take a short break. So it's just kind of getting yourself a way of making sure that you stick to a schedule and that you're working when you're supposed to be working. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay. And how did you focus your MCAT study time? You had these three months of essentially full-time studying. How did you begin? Did you just dive right into practice questions or practice tests? Or did you do any content review first? So what I did is before even starting anything, I just kind of looked at all my resources and went on YouTube, saw this kind of stuff. So how I kind of set up my plan was one month of content review um, with some sprinkled in questions in there, but more focused on content review. And then the following two months, it was practice tests and practice questions like UWorld. So more official like practice questions, like days of just practice questions. And then the last two months were just practice tests and practice questions with content review when I realized there was a topic that I was really struggling on. Now, anyone who is taking the MCAT or getting ready to take the MCAT knows that there's so many MCAT study resources to choose from out there. A lot of test prep companies that are competing for your money, your attention. How did you choose the materials that you ended up using? And what would you recommend to other people? Yeah, so I really tried to have all the resources even at my disposable before I started studying, which is what I recommend. Because if you're in the middle of studying, I think you can become overwhelmed with how much there is. So I really like the Kaplan Prep books. I think they're really detailed. I use that for content prep. and then. I supplemented those with Khan Academy just because those were videos. And sometimes I didn't want to, I just felt like the reading, the passages weren't sticking in my brain or they weren't really helping. So that's when I would use Khan Academy videos and those were free. So that was nice. I also used Anki during that time for content review because that kind of just helped me with space repetition and just trying to get some of those things that you just have to kind of memorize like amino acids or psychology terms. I use that for content review as well. And then when I transitioned to the second month, that's when I started using Blueprint and Kaplan practice exams. So I just had heard that the Blueprint were really good at 
challenging you, but being pretty close to the real thing of the AMC. So I think there's like Princeton practice exams, Berkeley review practice exams. I had heard that the blueprint were the most closely aligned to what the AMC presents. And so that's how I chose blueprint. And then Kaplan just kind of came with my test book. So I decided to take advantage of those. And my last month, I dedicated to just AMC material. So they have practice questions, they have practice exams, they have a bunch of review for, I think it's called like passages for cars. So a bunch of those. And I think just, I stuck with that at the end, just because at the end of the day, it's coming directly from the AMC. And that's who's going to be making the MCAT exam. Gotcha. Now, the MCAT is designed to sort of test the material that you theoretically learned during your undergraduate courses, your pre-med requirements like the biology, the physics, the chemistry, some of the social sciences. Did you feel like you had a strong enough background from your undergraduate courses in order to do well on the MCAT? Or did you feel like you really still had to review a lot of material and relearn some things because, you know, it's natural that we forget things as time goes by? I think I had a solid foundation. I think I couldn't have gone in just with what I learned in undergrad. But I think really working hard in those classes prepared me to at least have some recognition. I think that's what it gave me when looking at the Kaplan textbooks, like recognizing, oh, maybe I don't remember what exactly this pathway, like the metabolic pathway is. But I know I've learned it before. So that made it easier to when I was relearning it or just learning it for the first time, because I knew that I at least had some foundation in what the books were saying. So I think I had a strong foundation. But as I said, I still had to do those books to supplement whatever I had learned. Mm -hmm. What would you say was your strongest section? And what would you say was your weakest section? Well, I'm a psychobiology major. So I think psychology was probably my strong, but it's the one I actually scored, I think the highest in. I can't remember my exact breakdown. But Psychology came more naturally um, just because I had been doing so many psychology classes since high school. I actually even took like a psychology course during high school at a community college. So that's just something that I always loved. So that came really easy to me. And I think that's why I was able to succeed just because I, I loved it to begin with. Cars was really challenging. I, I'm not a native English speaker, actually. So I was in Mexico for um, a portion of my childhood. I came, I think, starting like first grade or something. I I am blanking right now. That's okay. English was my second language. So I think that's why cars was my hardest section on the MCAT, just because I wasn't a native English speaker. Right. And cars involves reading lots of long passages, correct? Yeah. And comprehension and all that. Yeah. So a lot of people do struggle, especially if English is their second language. Did you focus heavily on that because you knew it was the section that you struggled with? Yeah, and I tried to. I I actually used Jack Weston passages. I think they release a passage every day, I believe, during the week. So I tried to really focus on that. But at the end of the day, I think what really would help is just reading on your pastime, like even a year before you start MCAT prep. So just read for fun and read just for pleasure, I think it's even it would be even good to have that stamina to read long passages quickly. Excellent. How many practice exams did you end up doing before you took the MCAT? I believe I took nine. Nine. That's a lot. That's great. Did you take them all? Like, did you simulate the real test circumstances when you took each one? 
or did you do them in sections? Do you mean like in sections, like um, a section one day and then like a section a different day or? Exactly. Yeah. Some people don't do the full eight hour long exam in one sitting. They might do half of it one day and half of it the other day. Did you force yourself to sit down and just like take it as if you were taking the real test? Yes. I made myself sit down and just sit there for the whole, I think it's like an hour and a half for each section. Did the assigned breaks that they give you didn't do a longer break than the MCAT would give you and just really force myself to stay um, build that like stamina I think that's the biggest thing since it is such a long exam I think that's what really helped me is that on test day I had already done seven hours days before so it wasn't something new or something that I wasn't used to Mm -hmm. excellent so nine practice exams I hope our listeners are hearing because I know some students they get intimidated by the prospect of taking a full length exam or practice exam. And so they don't do as many as they should. But Jessica is a great example. You're a great example of how that can really, really benefit you in the end um, and really help out your score and your performance on the test. Were there any psychological barriers that you faced when taking the MCAT? I know a lot of people just feel intimidated by the test or feel overwhelmed. Would you say that you had any of those feelings or other psychological barriers? Definitely. I think even before starting, I was overwhelmed with how much it was going to be, overwhelmed with the time, overwhelmed with how much resources. It was just a lot. And I think that's something that I just took step by step because at the end of the day, if you see three months of studying with seven hour days on some days, it feels really intimidating. But I think if you look at it like, well, this day I'm like week by week or two weeks at a time, just planning out like that. I think that calms those nerves. And then I think I also just was really, I doubted myself a lot. I think during the MCAT, taking those long practice exams and maybe sometimes not improving your score from the last exam. It's really challenging because you work so hard, but to not see the score up reflect that energy and time that you put in, I think really is challenging. And test your strength a little right it's it's intimidating or just really challenging to see that you've put so much work in and not reflect that in your exams but I think you really just have to stay dedicated and remind yourself that it's a process it's not going to be from one day to the next I think you just have to take time and take breaks I think that's the biggest thing take breaks stay organized and stay dedicated yeah So it sounds like even though you did have some of those doubts, you really pushed through and it definitely paid off for you, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. Speaking of paying off, what did you end up getting on your MCAT? So I ended up getting a 516. That's amazing. You must have felt pretty darn proud of that score when you got it back. Yeah, I I think I opened it up right when I woke up. Like I think they came out like 7 a.m. It was score release day. And that was the first thing I did when I woke up. Uh huh. That's great. Wonderful. And on your first try, that's even more incredible. Would you say that that final score of 516 was pretty close to what you had been doing on your practice exams on the last practice exams? Relatively, I actually had scored higher on my practice exams. So I had scored, I think, I actually ended up scoring a 521 on one AMC practice exam. So it actually was, I feel like, a little significantly lower. I was scoring 518, 517, 516, anywhere from like the 515 to I think the 520 range. So I think it was relatively close. 
but I think there's always, I think there's, what is it called? The boundary. So it's either like plus two or minus two, your average of whatever you're getting. Uh huh. So I think, yeah, it was like plus two or minus to my average. Yeah, that's amazing that you got a 521 on a practice exam. Good job. But yeah, 516 is a very, very strong score. And I think together with your GPA, you have really good chances of getting into medical school this year. Um, Speaking of which, of course, you're in the process of applying to medical school right now. You have submitted your primary, you've submitted a lot of secondaries. Um, What has that process been like just to kind of give a sneak peek to people who are looking forward to that in the future? I think I I hope this doesn't sound sad, but I think it's more challenging than the MCAT, at least for me. Writing is something that I think takes a long while for me because I have to reflect a lot. I have to edit. And I think it's been challenging just because there are so much steps in that process. If you're applying to 20 schools, well, you do your primary, your 15 activities, and then you have to do the secondaries. So I think it's another challenging experience similar to the MCAT. but I think it's one of those things that's gratifying as well, because when you finish one of those secondaries, you start to feel better when you finish five. So I think it's really um, taking joy in those little milestones that um, you have. Wonderful. Um, Have you been starting to get invitations to interview? Yeah, I've gotten invitations to interview. So I think that's another little milestone that I think is really um, exciting and just really shows you that putting in the hard work pays off. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, I'm pretty sure you're going to get in this year. So <laughs> hang in there. You're doing great. <laughs> All right. And then just to finish up, if you could give one piece of advice to pre-med students taking the MCAT in the coming year or two, what would that be? I think stay organized, but do activities that you enjoy. Don't allow yourself to get burnout, whatever that may be for you. If it's painting every once in a while or going for a run, but make sure to take care of yourself as well. But just stay organized, stay dedicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for sharing a bit about your background, about your experience in college and studying for the MCAT. I hope that this inspires some of our listeners to feel hopeful and feel like they really can succeed at the MCAT. I know not everyone is going to get the score they want the first time around, but you just have to do good enough to get you know, get those med school interviews and get into at least one school. So good luck to everyone who still has that coming up ahead. And thank you again, Jessica. Yeah, thank you all for listening. All right. Bye, everyone. Until next time.